Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. And we're live. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing, Nick? How's the last two weeks been? Uh, well, you know, I feel like um, I almost had a baby of my own, you know. Just, oh, yeah? Yeah. You know, I just I've been nurturing, nurturing this ministry while you've been gone. I feel like, you know, I just <laughs> um, yeah, I felt like felt like uh, youth ministry just became like a little child. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't life just a miracle? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, speaking of a miracle of life, your life has changed a little bit lately. Yeah, a little bit. We uh, we had our baby, Saskia Hopeberg, on May the 12th at 5.57, coming in hot at 6 pounds and 14 ounces, of which she is now 7 pounds and 15 ounces <laughs> Wow! as of yesterday, so... She is like she's putting it on, which is a great thing. Um, and she's she's healthy, which we're really grateful for. Her and mom are, are doing well. Uh, Nicole is recovering, which we're really grateful for. And yeah, life is is not what it was two weeks ago for sure. Um, but it's so good. We didn't. I didn't know that I could love another human. I didn't know I had space in my heart to love another human the way that I love this little girl. So going from um, being a doggy dad to being mm-hmm. a daddy dad. What, mm. uh, have you learned anything in like, like it's been about two weeks. Is there anything that you feel like you've already learned? I am. I'm pretty good at changing a diaper now. Okay. Um, I don't know if I've hit the 100 mark yet. I gotta be getting close, but I think, Oh, that's a good question. Um, cause I still love my dog. But she has she has fallen down and rung, um, in terms of of where my, my heart and and the love that is distributed by it. Um, but the thing that I've learned, I think, is how much um, when when I'm holding her and I'm in the middle of something, and how much it just kind of forces me in a great way to be in the moment. Like I've caught myself at times where I'm just sitting there, she's sitting on my lap, uh, whatever. She she starts falling asleep. That sort of thing. And I just like, I just have to put down whatever I'm doing because I just realize that I won't, she won't be this size. There won't be many more moments because like she's already grown a pound in a little bit in the last two weeks. So she's, she's growing and it's, and it's really, really quick. So I, I'm just learning to appreciate, appreciate the moments, um, whatever, whatever time of day they are, whether it's four o'clock in the morning or, or in the afternoon. So I guess then the question on on everybody's mind is, when you have the baby, um, which is amazing, is there a nurse or a doctor that that comes in with like a a pair of white New Balance sneakers and a book of bad jokes and they just give it to you? (laughs) I haven't gotten the New Balances yet. I am waiting for those. I think they're I ordered them through Prime, so they should be here. Oh, perfect. Well, thanks to COVID, probably a month. But um, no, I, it was, it was weird. It was like, everybody talks about like that, 
that that moment when a dad holds their kid for the first time and there's like a switch that goes off and nobody can explain it it's it's hormones it's you know emotions it's it's physical it's everything um but with the way that the birth went, it was kind of like extreme. And so we were worried about a lot of other things going on at the same time. So I didn't actually, when I finally did get to hold her, which didn't take too, too long. Um, it was like, my brain was still going through what had just happened and, and all of that. And so it was kind of more like, I got the sneakers and then a couple of hours later, then I got the book. Like it, it came in, it came in waves. I gotcha. Yeah. No, but it's it was good. The nurses, though, speaking of nurses and doctors, they are amazing. I have a whole new respect for doctors and nurses, nurses especially. <coughs> like, so when you're in the delivery, room, it's like they're whether it's day shift or night shift, and they're on there, they're in there twelve hours. Like they are with you the entire time. Like you have one nurse that is is dedicated to your your room, and it's like it's amazing. Like they they prep they walk you through the first steps of of like labor and pushing like doctor doesn't even come in till pretty much baby's head is like right there and so to all of you nurses out there the humongous props that we i just have i have so much gratitude for you you guys are amazing so it's it's almost like the doctor kind of swoops in and just sort of takes that glory away from the nurses right it, it kind of feels like it like i guess mm. in like extreme situations where they have to maybe the birth looks a little bit different than maybe it would because of circumstances which ours was a little bit like our doctor was next level too but yeah you kind of feel that way like i get the doctors they're trained for what they've got to do but and if there's any doctors that that are listening to this and they're like, you have no idea what we do. You are right. I have no idea what you do, <laughs> but um, our experience with the nurses, they just, it just felt like they did so much um, in that entire process. Yeah. You got to think once, once the head is right there, I don't think there's much stopping it. Mm -mm. I mean, I learned a whole lot about birthing, which I did not know beforehand. And it's like, they're, uh, I don't know, get into it, but and that, there's, we're a gonna go, there's a lot going podcast. on. There's a lot going on. We could talk about that next time. <laughs> We'd still like to keep this podcast rated G. That's right. That's right. We There is a family friendly. Uh, they ask when we post these, is this family friendly? And I always hit yes. So we want to keep it that way. Hey, well, in the spirit of uh, keeping it fam family friendly, there's nothing more family friendly than uh, reading a little bit of the Bible. I agree. We are in Mark chapter four, and this is a great passage because it like there's at least one parallel passage in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount where this like falls in right after the Beatitudes and right before some parables and um and some other teaching and the same sort of thing with with mark's passage it, it falls right in between some parables which you guys you everett and, and aiden crushed yet last week oh, and thank you. uh yeah no it was it was so good um and so we're in matthew or mark sorry four verses 21 to 25 and i will read it out of the niv um and then we can we can jump into what this means so Mark 4, verse 21 to 25, he said to them, Jesus, 
Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, <clears throat> it's a great verse, and, you know, as I was reading it, I um, obviously the the rather the obvious subject of the first verse there in twenty one is the lamp. Jesus is mm-hmm. talking about uh, talking about a lamp, and he's asking, you know, what do you do with a lamp? Logically, no, you don't want to put it under a bowl or a bed. You want to put it on its stand. Um, <clears throat> however, I thought, and of course, we're reading from the NIV, and and. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's a little bit different, but um, the word in, uh, I thought that was so odd. I thought it was interesting uh, that Jesus would would use this analogy here instead of um, saying a lamp on a hill or or one of those other analogies that are also um, commonly quoted. Um, Because you would think that bringing a lamp in would be counteractive to right. to sort of having lamp as as a symbol for our faith, having that mm-hmm. faith reach out, having that light reach out. But I, I began to consider um, that if you were to take a lamp or a torch and you were to set it up on a hill, you know, your light distribution, it may seem like it's greater because you can see it from really far away, but, but the saturation of light, the level of light is greatly, greatly diminished. Uh, in terms of what it's actually lighting up. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not really serving its purpose because it's lighting up a very small area on the ground of a hill. Even though you could see that torch from, I'm sure, many, many hundreds of yards away, it's really only lighting up a small, tiny little area. But if you were to bring that torch inside that light is then able to bounce off of the walls and it can fill a space uh, more fully. And although the light doesn't seem to have as far of a reach, um, its light saturation is so much greater. Um, And so its intended purpose of lighting up a space is then more greatly fulfilled because it's actually able to light up the space that it's in. Right. Which I think is like, I think it's beautiful that Jesus in his own way, when he talks about you bringing it into this, this space, um, that it is like, this isn't an individual light. Like this, this light is not just for us, right? Or, or, or if you, you could even argue that we as, as Jesus followers are that light, you know, like as the Bible walks through and we see a bunch of different ways that, that, um, that, the word light is used and, and it's different uh, different uses. I think in this passage we can you can almost see the fact that like we um, we uh, as believers are this light and it's it's like yeah you, you bring it in, you don't hide it like it's for a, a community maybe it's in your your, your direct, uh, those in your in your circle, those in in your life that you come across and um, that you you do life with in a sense, you you don't come in to hide that um, 
but it is for other people. And, and I think that, um, I like that, that idea where, um, that where we see this, we see this word light used in so many different ways is, um, it's, 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 it's used to enlighten that there's nothing that won't be hidden. Um, as, as we, uh, we follow Jesus and, um, I, the, the thing that I, I yeah, so you go on to your next point, because I, I think what you have to say is really good. Uh, sure. Yeah. Like, I think just to kind of continue off of that idea um, that if we are to interpret um, as disciples and, and our faith as as the light in this passage, that uh, Jesus is is almost telling us that, hey, it's actually more effective uh, if you were to have a a small community of people, like you were saying before, a, a small group of people that you really build into intentionally and personally um, and intimately with, rather than being somebody that you know kind of goes out with with signs and a megaphone and stands on the the street corner charging shouting. battery, because in the end those that that go out and and are loud and and are shouting kind of out of context biblical truths their their reach may be large they may um they may be able to to uh, have more people hear them but i think that their light saturation is dim i I don't think they're actually lighting up that space effectively yeah i think that's good i think that there's like there's this relational aspect to this light where when he talks about using like even the analogy of a home, bringing it inside mm-hmm. that there are people that you share this space with that together, this light is, is used for an even greater purpose. And it's funny. You mentioned people standing on the side of the, of the street and, and saying, I remember I, I ran into this guy who was like evangelizing um, on a street corner after an Oilers game. So it's like 11 PM and it's busy downtown Edmonton. And, and I, to be honest, I don't really know if his methodology was quite right and that there, there is, you're just yelling at a bunch of people who are leaving and most of them are probably that they're, they're wasted. <laughs> um, and, but I, I gave him, I had to give him props for his boldness, but um, but I, I do see that in this, in this passage, there, there is an importance to the relationality of this light. Like Jesus himself was relational. He, he himself would go into other people's houses, mm-hmm. right? Like he would go and eat with sinners. He would go and hang out with people that he, um, that had been rescued, had been restored um, physically, socially even, just by him coming in and hanging out with them. Um, that there is this idea that I think we all need to learn, like when it comes to this light, how we foster this light, like it is, it's not just meant for us. It, it is about other people. Like Jesus doesn't save us so that we can hide this light. So we can put it under this, this, um, this basket or, or under the bed, whatever, wherever it might be. Um, because it needs to be shared and it needs to be shared for others. He saves us just for us, but then for other people as well. Absolutely. And I think that that brings us so smoothly into the next verse where Jesus begins talking about 
um, uh, bringing things, um, bringing things out into the light because that's what the light is meant to do. Um, not letting things be hidden. Um, and, and for sure, I think he's absolutely, um, in one sense, talking about our faith, that we are to bring our faith out into the light. We're not to be ashamed of it. It's not something that we want to hide because faith has a purpose. And, and us being Christians, we have a purpose, and it is to share our faith. And therefore, if we keep it hidden, if we aren't using it, then it's not serving its purpose. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it almost is, we, we, we uh, disrespect the gift that's been, that's been given. I, here's what I find in uh, when it comes to those who follow Jesus and, and perhaps aren't living relationally. And, and my relationally, I mean, um, using this light for its purpose, shining the light of, of hope, of Jesus, of this good news into the lives of the people who haven't noticed it yet or, or don't know it yet. And, and what I see is that there's people who fall into these, these people who are, the, I would say, the hiders, um, the, the ones who hide this light underneath the baskets, all of that. And, and so um, there are some people, I think we as Christians are, are guilty as choosing Christianity as a lifestyle rather than being changed by Christ himself. So it's convenient because it gives us community which it does 100 percent. but when it's a, we we go there only for the community itself and that's that's about the extent of our of our our fallowship of jesus is just within that community that's it, when it's just purely social like just in your family and your friends which which is good if they are also christians but it but when it when it begin when it happens when it comes to actually interacting as followers of Jesus with people who don't know them yet that's when they hide I think that's where where we are so guilty of being being comfortable um, and and not willing and, and and I think that this idea of light is that that does very it does that very thing it exposes the darkness it enlightens the darkness so if you um, want to take this analogy uh, maybe a couple different ways when you're talking about ourselves in this light coming into our lives it shines a light on the places that need to be exposed. And, and there are secrets and there's stuff that we need as a um, as a community need to come into the light, but then also individually need to come into the light as well. And I think that's the beauty of Jesus is that it does expose it and is scary and is not, uh, feels pretty terrible at first. It's for our own good. It's for the restoration of ourselves and for the community. So that's what this light does is we as the light, uh, as we reflect the light and the glory of God, um, it... Um, it shows this promise of restoration that, that Jesus has brought by his coming, by his death, and by his resurrection. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the way that he even says it, the, the words that he uses, I, I really like. He says, um, uh, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. And the way that he explains that is he, he removes the, the option of it being an option. He's not, he's not saying that, you know, whatever can be or whatever is hidden can be disclosed. Whatever is concealed could be brought out into the open. I know when, when I was a, 
a teenager and and I was living in sin. I was hiding it from people. I wasn't talking about about my sin with anybody. Uh, I I kind of saw this as as an option and I wish I didn't. I saw it as an option to be in the light, an option to to live honestly. I thought, you know, I could just live comfortably and not be the best disciple but not be the worst not be the worst one either um i saw it as an option and, and that's absolutely not what it is and, and jesus is saying no no no. it's not whatever it could be it's whatever whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open it is not an option it's it's almost a requirement to be mm. an effective disciple and and what's so um, what's so amazing about this is that when you bring things out into the light, the amount of the amount of change that comes, the amount of positive change that comes with that, because you know, again, to to just kind of think back to my experience as a teenager, I knew that honesty was important to a degree, and so I would. I would reveal my sins to God, which for some reason, for some twisted reason in my mind, it was easier for me to confess to my father in heaven than it was to people around me or those that I had affected. Uh, and, and I think that's, it's sad and, and it's something that I'm sure lots of people struggle with still. But it brings me to, to a passage in James uh, chapter 15 and 16 or sorry chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 and and it says uh, i'll paraphrase but it says that confessing our sins bringing that out into the light to god brings forgiveness he will forgive us for that but when we confess to each other that's when healing can begin when we bring our sins out into the light with our brothers and with our sisters with our life groups with our parents with our friends that's that's when the actual healing can begin because we've been able to talk through it with somebody who can actually hold us accountable. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think that's that, that, that beauty of like um, what happens in the secret places with God, when this conviction happens, when this, um, whether it's with sin or just things he's teaching us, uh, I think that's that's beautiful because it needs to be worked out in community, and 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 that's why the church, that why that's why the church exists is to is that is the beauty of the community that's created um, by Jesus, that's brought together by him, by his power, by his spirit, um, and and I think that the this, the thing that I think of when I think of um, this this what will be secret will be exposed or will be hidden will be exposed or needs to be exposed is is Moses's relationship with God now um, what I mean by that is he would he would go up on the mountain when they're in the desert he would he would hang out with God like he would they, in the Bible it says that Moses were uh, God spoke to Moses as, as a friend spoke to a friend so he, he, Moses and God shared this relationship um, but when he would come down off the mountain after speaking with him and the first time we see this I think is when he's bringing the Ten Commandments down is his face is literally shining with the glory of God hmm. and the people can't can't deal and they ask him to cover it up to hide it to, to because they just they can't they can't 
they can't uh, they can't stand the, the brightness of it. And what I think is interesting is I think that that's that's so applicable to us. We now have access to the presence of God. Now our faces may not shine like it Moses's did with the glory of God, but our lives need to shine with the glory of the presence of God because, and, and, and how does that happen? It's just like you said, it, it starts with our relationship with him. It starts with pursuing the presence of God, being in his presence and knowing him that we, as, as these lights or lamps on a stand, um, will then effectively and shine even brighter. What will be, uh, what, what, what happens in, in our quiet times, in our devotions, in whatever word you want to use for that. But as we pursue God in our, uh, in our, uh, or on our own, it's, we know it's, we know it's happening when we can't help but share that. And, and I think that's a hard heart check for a lot of people. Um, cause I, I hear your story and I resonate with that knowing God or knowing of God, but not feeling the inclination or the desire to share that. And for sometimes it's a choice, a hundred percent. Um, but, but there is, um, there is something to be said that as our intimacy with God grows, so too, I think will not necessarily the amount of people will be influenced, but the power of God will be even more evident in our lives. And that light will be shown, will, will shine even um, even brighter mm-hmm. in our obedience. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that, you know, if we miss that opportunity to to humble ourselves, then what good is having that wide reach? Uh, you know, the one of the best ways to lead and one of the best ways to um, lead people to God or, or help um, facilitate that is to lead humbly. Uh, and there's nothing, there's nothing more humbling than when we are open with our lives, uh, and when we have no secrets. If we if we want to have a highly saturated, wide reach of light, then yeah, you're right. Like the best way is to just bring all of uh, that which we are hiding from the world within ourselves out into the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. He goes on, uh, he goes on in verse 23 and it's a really short verse, but it says, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear that that's Mm -hmm. the entire verse. And I actually, I, I think it's, I think it's a really powerful, really strong verse because one, it's meant to grab the listener's attention so that they don't doze off. You know, Mm -hmm. he's saying, listen up. But at the same time, it enhances the previous two versions because it's saying that, you know, whatever you have, don't let it go to waste. Like if you have ears, you may as well listen. Uh, if, you, if you have ears and you don't listen, then, then your ears are, are literally just going to waste. There's, there's no point to having ears. And so he's saying, you know, if you have faith, it, it would be ridiculous not to use it. If you, um, if you have something concealed or hidden inside of you, 
it would be ridiculous to let it eat away at you because you're letting your life and your faith go to waste, but you're also letting go to waste an opportunity to come out into the light, to to live an honest life, a, a life where where you can be right with God and right with others and humbly lead. Uh, it's an incredible experience. And if we are to let that go to waste, uh, then, then uh, we're just simply not going to be able to be effective disciples. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a, that's a, when, yeah, when Jesus says, if you have hears that, like when Jesus says to listen, we need to lean in. We, we, we need to ask ourselves, okay, why would Jesus say this? And, and why is this important to our own lives? And I think that that transition into like the next part, like this bridge between what he said between um, verses 21 to 23 or 22, sorry. And then this, this bridge verse 23 and 24 into what he says is so important because it's like, Hey, guess, get it. Like you, you see this light. It's so important because a, it will change people's lives. It'll change your lives and it'll expose the stuff that needs to be redeemed in your life. But here's the thing. If you receive the gift of life, but don't use it or it, it will be taken away from you. So like if, if you have been given this gift of salvation and the message of the gospel and are not willing then to share, to give testimony, what Jesus has done in our life or in your life, whatever that might be. It's like there are consequences. And it's like, I think of the, the, the guy, uh, the, the, the parable of the, the, the talents and, and how the master distributed them um, to, to the different people. And the last guy who only got one just buried it and just yeah. played the safe game. Um, like if there are, there are times in my life, I'm playing the safe game socially. Um, I I'm playing the safe game, even, um, to the point where I'm not willing to risk my own, um, my, the, the perception of others for the gospel of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, for me, that's a big, that's a, that's a big oof because, um, as Jonah shows us, the people who we think may not listen and may not repent are merely a, just a couple of words away from renewal, revival, from restoration, from awakening, from all of those beautiful words that just like there is change that's possible. So like this isn't just a a, a call to, you know, okay, now you have to go do A, B, C, and D. It's, hey, Look at the gospel. Look at what Jesus has done for you. And just start with your own testimony. Just start with what Jesus has done in your life and, and begin to have like these Jesus-centered conversations. Um, build relationship, that, that these servant-hearted relationships with people that, that you, will, you would be like, you would live like Jesus in the lives, in and around the lives of other people. You'd be this light. Don't put it under a bowl. Don't hide it. Um, Be willing to go to places where we pray prayers of, Jesus, if you do not show up in this moment, I'm going to look like an idiot (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and, and be risk and bold 
and risk takers and, and being bold in the way that we live our lives because either A, we, we've felt it, we've had this um, emotional experience of the presence of God, or as you know, we've all experienced when we're maybe in a drier season, we know and we, we have to choose to obey. Um, it's a hard call and not everybody's going to do this. There are, there are people who are going to sit on their hands and, and are going to miss sharing the kingdom of God with other people because of fear, because of um, you name it. Uh, and and this, is, this is Jesus saying, lean in, listen to this. Like, this is important. What has been given to you, it will be measured to you and even more. Mm-hmm. So like... You've been given a responsibility, not even a responsibility, because I, I go, when I start talking about this, I, I, I have all of my like um, religious baggage come up from my upbringing where it was like, you, you have to do this, you, you need to do this, which yes, 100%. But what I'm finally starting to realize is that, or, or finally in these last few years of my life um, is it's uh, I get to, I'm, I am realizing the transformational power of Jesus in my life and realizing that how could I hold this to myself? How could I hide this? How could I keep this to myself and have others miss out on that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the way that I kind of interpret the, uh, the verse about in verse 24, when he talks about whatever, um, we measure by, we will be measured to. Um, I, I think about, uh, you know, how we how we tend to judge people, and I've been, I'm so guilty of this. Where, you know, I will I will consider somebody, um, you know, uh, not able to be saved sometimes, and that's uh, that's horrible, and it's horrible to think that, and. And, you know, I'll think, okay, I need to share the gospel. Well, who do I want to share it with this person? No, that would be too uncomfortable or too difficult. And and there I am, just whatever measure I'm using there, I, I'm considering them unsavable. And I think, that's, I think that's just so incredibly sad that that would be, that would be a thought that would ever even cross my mind. Um and luckily, you know, we have Jesus to, to tell us, like, not only is he saying whatever you measure by, you'll be measured to, but he's saying like, hey, you know, judging is, is just simply not your job because you're not good at it. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be mm-hmm. like, it'd be like if, if every police officer that made an arrest was then arrested just by policy, like you arrest somebody for doing something terrible, you're then arrested for worse even if you didn't do it, it's just policy or, or every chef that filleted a fish was then cut up even, even more, even more finely. Or like every fireman that put out a fire was lit on fire and the fire was even bigger than the one they just put out. It's like, you would think, well, man, like, come on, that's not, that's not your job. I don't think, I don't think you were supposed to do this for work. You, you kind of suck at it. Um, and I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, not only is it not our job to do the measuring, to do the judging, but we kind of suck at it. Uh, we kind of suck at judging the way that
that one ought to be judged. Um, yeah, and I, I think that fits really well into this idea of like how how often do we, I guess, as as preachers and teachers, we often say, "Okay, go and share the gospel with others," um, or we we believe that we should and don't, and then when we see other people don't, and we kind of we throw that little bit of either mental criticism or internal criticism their way. It's like that question, that same question will be asked of us. Mm-hmm. Um, that same question will be asked of us, whether in eternity or even just as we, we ask Jesus, okay, where have I maybe missed the boat um, today or, or this week as we reflect over what God, uh, our, our days and our lives and, and man, yeah, it's, it's real. It's like um, we, here here's what here's what i think is is that i'm i'm easily a really critical person um i can be typically uh and i'm i'm just i i i had okay i had this moment a couple of weeks ago where um i i was i was just kind of i was in a dry season i just was kind of i felt like i i didn't feel like following jesus if that makes sense mm-hmm. um where it was a choice it was a discipline and to engage in in reading and diving into the word and and pray, my prayer life and all of that and, and and one thing that i sensed god saying um to me in that was because uh, i felt like everything that i i did when i came to reading the bible that sort of thing it was it was just to teach other people it was just like only for for regurgitation later on a later date basically um i i sensed him gently saying um and and this and me desiring that i i did not want to preach what i what is what i already wasn't living or practicing um in my own life so when when i say um we we need to know the transformation that jesus has we, when we need to know the presence of God in our own lives, um, I say this because I desperately want to know. I, I don't want to go and speak to my neighbor without being empowered by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to bring and to share the gospel uh, with them. And it and, and it's not necessarily a drop conversation, like the one drop, never have another conversation after that. Hopefully they give their life to Jesus at the end of that. It might be a progression of a thousand conversations that I have with them. Um, but being faithful in that. So as we call people to be faithful, this is us also saying, we're looking in the mirror and saying, okay, Jesus, where do you want Andrew and Nick to be faithful as well in this? And because it's, it's, it's hard, it's heavy. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I completely, completely agree with you. I think, you know, that's a great image too of uh, that you share talking to a neighbor and, and, it might not be one conversation. In fact, it, it won't be one conversation. It shouldn't be one conversation. It, it's going to be lots and lots of conversations. And that's how, we, that's how we have that saturated light. That's how our light reaches out uh, better and stronger and further is that, you know, the more we have these conversations with people, uh, the better it is. That's why, you know, Jesus, he took, he had lots of people who followed him, but he chose 12 of them to minister to very deeply on a, on a different level. And of those 12, he even had, he had a few that were even closer to him than others. And it wasn't one conversation he had with them. It was three years of 
living together, living life together, uh, learning from him, following him, seeing how how he reacted in certain situations. It wasn't a one-off conversation with them. And, And I think, Andrew, I think you laid that out really, really well. Thanks. So, um, verse, did you have anything else you wanted to share about 24 or or are you ready to jump into 25? Yeah, I I think we can, uh, let's move on to verse 25. Okay. So this, whoever has, will be, whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Like, that sounds like, it sounds kind of extreme. You know, Um, I, I think, I think it is as extreme as it sounds. And I know, yeah. I know that that's not the, I know that's not the, 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 oh, how do you say it? The cool way of talking about Christianity, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I genuinely think that this is an extreme, extreme verse. Uh, Jesus is telling us plainly in this verse You know, he's saying whoever has will be given more. Whoever, I think what he's saying there is he's saying whoever has salvation, whoever has the Holy Spirit will be given more. And that more is eternal life, kingdom of heaven, like actually spending eternity with God. He goes on to say that whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And and I think this is in direct relation to um, what happens when, when somebody lives a life uh, fully from from birth to death without God, without Jesus, it, it's not that uh, when they die, God is going to punish them. It, it's that while they were in life, they had chosen to align not with God. And, and not everybody knows that when you don't align with God, you do align with Satan. And when you die, he... Satan is the one that that strips you of everything like everything that you had was on earth and and now you're no longer there so you you didn't have while on earth and now you have even less I I think this is uh, speaking about the uh, the experience that spiritual death is uh, in hell Mm. Uh, let me let me add to that a little bit Um, I, I think you're right in that this is uh, this is this is like a, one of those verses that that eternity is sort of um, is drawn out for us in a, in like as best it can in a sentence. Um, I also think that it I also think it has applications for today as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that when we uh, when we do all the things we 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 check off our spiritual checklists that that automatically God has to give us more. That's not how God works because uh, he he doesn't he doesn't always necessarily reward sacrifice because he already gave the greatest sacrifice in that. But what I do think is that as we grow this intimacy, as we foster this light that we've been given, um, there is more to be had even on earth as we, and not in the more that you and I would think of as in, in materialistic ways or Mm -hmm. um, perhaps, but it, but it would be more for the kingdom of God today so whether that be a a greater measure of of gifting in uh, the gift of evangelism maybe there's a 
an outpouring of the spirit for for someone to to then have a greater uh, a greater reach a greater um opportunity to share or or just even greater knowledge of god growth in our intimacy with him like and those who don't have yeah i think you you i really like what you said about the things we just hold on to uh, hold on to on earth um that all of a sudden that will be stripped away and then we'll really like we will have nothing i think that puts into perspective like where we put our like where we hide our treasure right like Mm -hmm. there's another parable that jesus talks about um is that like we when all of our all of our currency is in our belongings in our relationships when our identity is wrapped up into the things of the earth like when jesus prays that we wouldn't be of the earth but he wouldn't that we wouldn't be taken out of the earth but uh, we'd be protected from the evil one it's not that we don't have or participate or glorify god in those it's when our being is like grafted into those things like a tree if you ever tried to i've never done this but i've watched some like a friend of mine who who grew fruit trees how he would graft um orange trees together so that they would they would grow and and you could get even like um hybrids of fruit when that happens when we um when we when we attach ourselves when that is taken away whether that be through crisis and we realize what's really important or we come to an awareness of what's really important or it is the end and we realize the things that we had put all of our weight and all of our everything into is gone we'll have realized by at that point and by the grace of god my prayer is that um, those who foster the light well would see more people put their currency into christ but that's when there's like that nothing that nothingness that that emptiness that comes when when even what we have materialistically relationally is taken away that we realize that we did have nothing but the difference between a, a, a jesus follower and and somebody who doesn't follow jesus and have has those things taken away i think paul says perfectly in all circumstances i have learned to be content i he said i can do all things through christ who gives me strength whether it's whether he was rich or poor, hungry or or well fed, in every single circumstance, when no matter what our earthly circumstances are, we have this peace. We have this more that I think is accessible in our relationship with with Jesus. How we how we um, handle crisis and how we deal with um, these things that life throw uh, that life throw life throws at us, like pandemics, that sort of thing. Um, that all of a sudden we realize that even though we're in isolation, there is still more, even though face-to-face relationships in a sense, now that things are opening up a little bit more now, but like when we were in the heat of it, um, that those were taken away. That's where I think the strength of the Christian is, is when we find out we have more in Christ, when we're grafted into the family of God and everything is, is, is meshed with him yeah yeah i i completely agree with you um yeah i think i think just kind of looking at this verse it it explains the importance of everything that jesus just talked about in the last four Um, i think that this verse 
is is saying like this is why it's important that we bring the lamp in that that our light actually does reach people and doesn't just fall into open air i think this verse is saying why it's important that we take what is concealed and what is hidden and we bring it out into the light i think this verse is talking about how important it is not to waste what we have not to waste what god has given us and finally to fulfill that that role that god has called us to that uh, you know that that um that lack of judging that that we realize that's not our job yeah. um, and our yeah. job is to love yeah yeah and and like so for those of you who are listening i just want you to imagine something like imagine um say we get a hundred people who are listening to this uh, imagine that that what would happen if we um we we live this out as, as jesus calls us to like all of a sudden um our neighborhoods change even just here in calgary because um the this more that is being lived out this light that is shining um in the corners of our neighborhoods and of our families and of our friends um that jesus brings to light and shows them that they are still loved like imagine what would happen um if even just foothills youth uh we lived this way we lived in focused on our lives centered around christ and reflecting that glory like moses reflected the glory of god that that we would shine we wouldn't be able to help but shine imagine what would happen i just get excited thinking about that Mm -hmm. yeah well i think uh i think that's that's a great place to to end for this week Um, i agree andrew thanks for Thanks for sharing with us this week, and thanks for your um, your newfound intuition as well as a <laughs> as a father now. Yeah, and and hey, thank you for the way you have fostered <laughs> this ministry as, <laughs> as a child. That's uh, that's good. It's it's I love being able to do this with you. So, hey, thanks everybody for for joining with us. And yep. uh, yeah, big, and big for those of you who are who are oh sorry, go ahead. Well, last week we were sponsored by Burger King, um, almost. So oh, yeah. this week, uh, another big shout out. Come on, Burger King, sponsor this podcast. Um, we know that you as a company probably don't want to take a, a hard stance uh, religiously or politically, but, um, you know, we'd still like your sponsorship. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm down for <laughs> burgers. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We will uh, see you next week. All right. Done.